turn our attention. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm uh, 127. Again, just, just a few short verses, five, in fact, that I want to spend some time in this morning. Uh, got some, some things I think the Lord wants to say to us, uh, and then we'll try to get you guys, uh, get you guys out of here uh, and on your way to a new year. So uh, Psalm 127, verse 1 says this. It says, A song of ascents of Solomon. That's how it's titled. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In verse 2, it says, it, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, we've just kind of come out of a Christmas season, out of a holiday stretch, and uh, we're closing the door on another one tonight. Uh, and what this means for, for many of us is, is a change, is, is on the horizon. Uh, we've reached the cap of maybe our intake of watching Christmas movies. Like, you, if you watch Elf again, you're going to punch somebody, right? It's, it's not going to be good. You're done with the movies, right? You're done with the lights and all the stuff that uh, builds up the anticipation of this and kind of adds to the festivities of this season. Uh, maybe for you right now, your budgets are like you, your budget screaming, your pockets are on fire, right? And it's time for a reset. That's what largely this time of year is about. It's about a reset. It's about something new. It's about, uh, uh, you know, this kind of a looking forward and uh, our attention's drawn kind of forward. And we're not looking back anymore. We kind of want something new. We want to make some improvements. We maybe have looked back on the, the past year and you've said, man, these are some areas of my life that I failed miserably in 2017. You maybe look at your marriage, you say, hey, here's some things with my wife, with my spouse, uh, that, that I, I, want to, I want to see some improvement in. I want to, I want to grow in this next year. We hey, look at our kids and we say, I don't know what happened. I uh, hope 2018 is better, right? Uh, you look at your finances and you've maybe already saw where your budget's turned red and you wanna, you've made some adjustments, okay? And so for a lot of us, we're already beginning to look past the confetti that's going to kind of fall and it's all cute until you're picking it out of your carpet tomorrow, right? Uh, it, you've already looked past the gatherings. You've looked past all of that. To, to, to something new. And I think there's something about this time of year that that psalm speaks to. Namely, this ideology, this kind of this mentality that fills uh, this New Year's Eve mindset. This, this, uh, this goal-setting, self-disciplining, kind of deterministic-like idea that I can do better, right? That I can, I can look back over the failures, I can look back over the mess, and I can muster up something within me. I can grit something better in the future. Uh, you go to Gold's Gym, and you just look on the walls, and I, I'm not saying that because I go there. Right? <laughs> I, I've seen pictures. No, but uh, you, you look on the walls, you see all the motivational you know, uh, slogans on the wall. If you just do enough in this next year, you're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Uh, you, you, not all of us are like RC, and you're born with like just jacked arms, right? <laughs> if you just do enough, uh, that it, it's going to be better for you in this next year. If you just work harder. And it, it is this mindset, I think, that largely uh, kind of, um, it fills this space. Like, a lot of us maybe have already bought into this, right? Like, you, of this new year. Like some of you are already burning the oils in your house. Like, you're diffusing them. I think that's what you actually say, right? You're diffusing these oils. You're kind of creating this better environment, this feng shui in your home. It's going to be more peaceful. So, my kids are going to kind of just magically calm down. And they're never going to get sick, 
You know, like it's going to be, it's going to be better for me. Uh, you, you've already kind of uh, purged your home. You've looked through your cabinets, you saw a carb and you threw it away, right? Like you've already done that because this next year, if we just do enough, if we just do more, right, it's going to be better. It's going to be better for us. Uh, but I, I think as we've all dialed our attention forward, we would all say that, that we've bought into some element of this. We've already kind of maybe established, you've said, listen, uh, I'm going to set some goals in this next year and I'm going to accomplish them. Right? I've got some resolutions I want I've made, I want to see come to fruition at the back end of 2018. I want to see some progress, and I'm going to, I'm going to own it this year, right? I've got this planner, and bring it 2018, right? I've already seen some of the posts uh, that, that, have, that have filled the Facebook feeds, and it's, it's this, this mentality, really, that we, we run into this new year kind of embracing. And, and I think I, I love where we sit right now uh, in this place in New Year's Eve, that we've kind of in this, what I call, it's like the in-between, not to be confused with the Upside Down for my Stranger Things fans, right? Like, it's like we, we're in this in-between space where we can look back, and we can look back over kind of a year past. And, and we can, and it's, it's really neat that a Sunday fell in this place, I think. I think it's cool because we can look back and we say, man, there's all these places in my life I, need, I want to see improvement. And, and, and we've all got this tendency within us to kind of already create these resolutions, these goals, to kind of just grab life by the horns and, you know, pull, pull up our bootstraps and just kind of grit into this next year something better for ourselves. And we can look forward and we set all these goals. I think right in this in-between space, God wants to meet us this morning. And I think in this psalm, uh, he, he, he does that. You know, this, this psalm, just to kind of give us some context, is, um, is part of 15 psalms. It's a, a section called, uh, they're all titled, A Song of Ascents. Now, the ascents, like they're ascending to something. And what it was, was it, was a, it would be uh, these songs or these prayers or these anthems that the Jewish people would, would, they would pray or they would sing them as, as they were making their trek to Jerusalem to participate in these these feasts and these festivals that would only happen once a year. And so as the family unit is traveling as convoy uh, together to Jerusalem, they'd be singing these things over these 15 uh, psalms that classify as the, a song of ascent. So these, these 15 kind of songs or prayers that they would say. And, and here are in the middle of these 15, two that deal specifically with the family unit, all right, specifically with godliness in the home. In the in the the family kind of uh, dynamic, uh, and, and so 127 and 128 are the two that do that. And what what I think is awesome about this is, not only are we sitting in this in between space of New Year's Eve, but we all have our kids in the room with us. We all have a, this kind of really cool expression of of the family coming together, kind of pressing and leaning to the Lord to hear something. And I think I think it's really unique that God has us in this moment because I think. For us, he has this word that he wants to say to us, to this mentality that we all have, that we're all running into 2018 with, of this, this self-disciplining, self-reliant, I've got it mindset, right? And, and what he wants us to know right off the bat, I think King Solomon, God through King Solomon writes this psalm, and I think he addresses that mentality right off the bat. Look what he says, verse 1. He says, unless the Lord builds the house. So, so unless the Lord builds this house becomes this big kind of principal statement that Solomon makes for your 2018, I believe. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house. You see, he's going to get really specific in verses 3 through 5 about the family, specifically about kids. But before he does that, he hangs this principle, this banner over the top. And what he says is that anything that you do, 
Anything you, you want to see uh, come, uh, come to reality in your life in this next year, anything you aspire, any ambition you seek out uh, or you have for yourself for 2018, anything you endeavor, any attempt, it says it's hopeless apart from Christ, apart from the Lord. So I think it's important that we sit here and we hear this this morning, that we can just stop for a moment. Don't make any resolutions. Don't, like all the goals that you've already written out in your, in your notes, and your iPhone or whatever, like just hit delete for a moment. And, and he says, listen, anything that you've aspired, anything that you've hoped, anything, any ambition you've set out to conquer apart from me is pointless. It's in vain, he says. He says it's in vain. Notice the first two verses there. Solomon says twice, unless the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city, so unless the Lord, and then three times he makes the point, he says, unless the Lord, it's all in vain. He's pointing out this big, uh, kind of this, this appeal. He's trying to make this appeal to us this morning that everything that we do apart from God, our energy's wasted, our time's misplaced, the resources you'll spend on it, worthless. Now why is this important? Why is this important to hear this on the eve of a new year? Well, I think Solomon points out something that's very real about every one of us. I think he wants us to understand something about ourselves this morning. Something that's been true of us since the fall. That from the jump, every one of us, left into ourselves, have this tendency, this deep-seated thing about us that if, if we just hit autopilot and just coast, what we will always kind of lean back to is this, this, this idea of, of thinking very highly of ourselves of kind of placing ourselves on a pedestal, of, of, of relegating God's activity in our lives as secondary and placing our, our doing and our working and, and what we think and, and, and our, our, our actions as primary, as more important, as, 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 as more deserving, as, as more real. From the fall, we've been elevating ourselves, our thoughts and work and desires over the good and right word of God. And we elevate our efforts and relegate God's role as secondary. Now, the problem with this is that it, it runs contrary to what we just read. Right? So when we begin to relegate God's activity as second, and we begin to kind of prop up everything that we do, Right? We say in 2018, man, uh, my family, I, I, want, I want to see blessing on my family. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work so much harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting in 20 extra hours a week at work. I'm going to do all these things. Right? I'm going to muster it up. I'm going to see it. Like if, you, if you look at your marriage, say this thing is in shambles. And so what I, sh I'm taking my wife to Olive Garden every night. Right? right? And some of you are like, Olive Garden, cheap date. I'm like, dang, okay. Well, anyway, uh, listen, like you may say, like, that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to muster this thing up. And when we begin to prop up our actions, what begins to happen is we begin to embrace this idea that, no, God, I'm the builder. No, God, we're, we're the builders. We're the, we're the watchmen. We're the ones that are kind of, kind of hovering and we're, we're taking care of and we're protecting and we're providing and we, we do that. And God's this kind of nice addition that we add to our Christmas and, and our Easter. But what Solomon says is that unless God is the builder that we labor in vain, that all of our activity is, is just spinning our wheels. And how that fleshes out is, listen to me, because I know that there, maybe you're in the room today, we begin to watch and we begin to worry, and we begin to, sp we begin to work God right out of our lives. How many of us have spent countless nights wondering as we look at our family, man, what, what, what can I do differently? Or, man, my kids are, are rebelling 
man, I hope everything works out for them. What can I do? What can I do? I wonder if this happens to them. And we just worry all night. You see what he says there in the end of verse 2? He says he gives to his beloved rest. Why? Why? How can we find that? Well, I think when we begin to acknowledge that God is the ultimate builder, that he's the one building the home, and we rely and we cling to his good promises, to his grace and to his mercy, he says, I'm big enough for this. I'm big enough for this today. You know, in my home, we begin to notice something about our daughter. Um, she's 14 months old, and she's getting a little sass to her. And, and I don't know where this is. I think she's in a, in a car seat in the back asleep, but, uh, so I can talk about her. Uh, but here, here's the thing about it. She's beginning to get a little sass to her. And I, I don't know where this came from. I mean, now, I know she's a spawn of, of her wife, of my wife, her mom, uh, so I get that a little bit. Maybe she inherited some of her, uh, you know, and I know Genesis 3, you know, she's, she's got sin, and so that, but she's getting this sass, and it's, it kind of fleshes out weird. Like, we'll be sitting there watching TV. We have a nightstand or kind of a, a, a little side table in our, in our living room, and she'll, she'll come up, and if there's like a, something to drink, like we're drinking a Coke or something. She starts stretching her arms out and just trying to reach it. And, I, and she can't by any means, right? We put it in the center of the table because we've done the dumping the ice in the floor enough times to know that you put everything in the central point of the table so her little vertically challenged self can't reach it. And, uh, and so she's, she's reaching for it and she'll start like whining and like kind of just like screaming. And if you don't, stop what you're doing, right? In the middle of anything, like you've got to put your life on hold and go get the girl the drink. She'll She'll cross her arms and turn her back on you. And she'll just walk in, and she'll just put her head down. You're like, Lottie, come here. She's kind of looking at you like that. And I'm like, where did you learn that? Like, like, where did, and so I'll get down with her at times. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll just kind of grab her arms. And I'll look at her and say, if you would just come to me, right? Like, don't just go stand at the table and stretch and start crying and screaming and just working yourself. If you just come to me, I would get it for you gladly. Trust me, I would rather deal with you know, you drinking a Coke and the implications of, of sugar rush, then I would, you know, listen to you scream all day and then turn your back on me. But it's hard thinking about it. And that's exactly, isn't that not exactly what we do in our lives when it comes to God? Right? We, 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 we see a problem in our life. We see a need. We see our family kind of falling apart before. We see a, a marriage that's, that's not fruitful and, and, and maybe not in a good place, honestly, right now. We see our kids that maybe are not following after the Lord and are getting into whatever rebellious situations they put, they're putting themselves in. And we say, what do we do? We begin to work ourselves there and worry ourselves to death when all along, if we would just come to God, if we just come to God, if we, if we would just come to him and say, God, help me with this. God, I need your blessing here. God, I need your mercy here. God, I need your patience here. But we don't do that. What, what do we do? We, we begin to worry ourselves, and the whole time what we do is exactly like little Lottie. We turn our backs on our good God. We do the exact same thing. And what, and what Solomon wants us to understand is that unless the Lord builds the house, all of our worrying, all of our working, all of our watching is what? It's in vain. God shows that we can go to every parenting workshop. You can subscribe to every good parent resource and, and listen to 89.1 or the fish on your way home today. And it, it, unless you're relying on Christ in your parenting, it's in vain. Right? Unless, you, listen, you can make every financial sacrifice for your family. You can, I mean, put half your check in the bank. You can do all these things to provide. But unless 
unless we're anchored to God, unless we're leaning on our good builder, on the ultimate builder, on God to build our home, to protect our home, to sustain our home, to, to protect and sustain our marriage. Listen, you can wine and dine your wife till you're broke or your husband, right? Send him to every sports game and all that kind of stuff you want. You can, you know, all the five love languages or whatever, you find out which one your husband, spouse, whatever wife is in and, and just attack it with all of your working and willing. And unless God's in it, it will, it will bear no fruit. It'll be vain. Now listen, I, I want to make sure you understand something about when he says in vain. Sure, I mean, you can see some, you can enjoy each other, have a good night. There can be some happiness in your marriage, but nothing real, uh, nothing real eternal, no real significance, no weight brought about by Christ. Something that's lasting, something that has eternal impact. Something that's God-honoring, God-glorifying, and, and Christ-exalting. That happens when we lean on, when we press into, when we trust in who God is. You see, more effort and more working doesn't lead to gain, okay? Listen to me. More working, more effort put in doesn't lead to gain. You know what leads to gospel gain? God does. When we lean into Christ that's where gain comes from. Now, gain may look different than you may look at, you may qualify gain, okay? You, now, your family may not be more financially blessed than back in 2018, but I promise you, if you begin to rely on, if you begin to lean into, if you begin to, to uh, trust in and plead with God to bless your marriage, to bless your home, to give you patience with your kids, to, to give you just the words that you need as you're being intentional in those opportunities, those gospel conversations in the home. What you'll leave 2018 with is a greater reliance, a greater dependence on God. You see, what we need, guys, listen, isn't bigger bank accounts. We need more God. Our kids don't need, you know, cool mom and dad. What they need is gospel, God-honoring, Christ-exalting parents. That's what we need. So at the back end of 20, let that be, let that influence, let that motivate some of your goals that you begin to set. Now, I want to say something because I know there may be a little, a little like caveat in some of your, your minds right now. Uh, when he says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen, you know, they, they watch in vain. And, and he talks about us toiling. Some of you may say, okay, cool. So what you're saying and what Solomon must be saying and what God through Solomon must be saying is that I can go home and kick it and just pray about it. Right? No. Uh, Spurgeon once said this about the Christian life. He said, Christianity has no place for laziness. I don't know if you heard that. Christianity has no place. It cannot tolerate laziness. Laziness. I love that because here's, what, here's how these things work together. Here's how these things work together. You see, what this passage is not asking, is not permitting, is not, uh, and what, what Solomon is not saying is, hey, sit on your hands and just think about things. Just, just pray about it. What he's saying is work yourself to death. But before you do that, acknowledge, cling to, and depend wholly on Christ to sustain you. You see, where that works out is that I'm going to go home on days, and I know you, when you're tired after work, and, you want, and, and what you want, what you really want is you want to go home and kick it, 
right? Like put ESPN on, like lock the, the, lock the door, let your wife deal with the kids, let your wife do the cooking or whatever. You want to sit there and just breathe for a moment, right? But the way this kind of fleshes out in the day-to-day grind is that I'm going to go home and whether I'm tired or not, and I'm, I'm not going to do this perfectly, okay? There's going to be times, thank you, Lord, for my wife. She's going to have to remind me, hey, Matt, spend some time with Lottie. Hey, Matt, get down on the floor and play with your daughter. And I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to ring myself out for my daughter, for my wife right now, and I'm going to get in the floor and I'm going to play with Disney princesses, okay? And then when she goes to bed and I'm tired, I want to, I want to crash. What I need to do, what the Lord is calling us to do, is I need to walk into her room or in, in, the, in the quiet of, of where I'm at. I need to to lift a voice, lift a plea to God and say, God, would you save my daughter? God, would you open her eyes? God, would you make her look more like you? Father, would you help me to, to have the patience with my wife when I just don't have it? God, would you help me to love how you've loved me and extend that to my spouse? That's how this, this, this plays out. So I'm, I'm doing, listen, I am, I, am, I am working, right, tirelessly. We need to. It, this is not a plea to, par- to, to husbands, just stop, just stop giving any effort towards, you know, loving your spouse well and, and, and wives, loving your husband well. What this is a plea to is work hard at it, but understand who it is that builds the home. Understand who it is that sustains the marriage. And trust him. And trust him. It's this humble admission God, I can't do this on my own. God, left into myself, I am a selfish, self-centered, prideful person. It's humbly admitting that, knowing that about yourself because of sin. And it is this trusting submission to God, saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to work hard to look more like you. And I'm going to ask you, by your grace and mercy, would you pour it out on my family? Would you pour it out on my wife? Would you pour it out in how I work? God, and if you so choose to, bring, to reap blessing on my family, would you, if you so choose to pour out favor on my family, I will, I will praise you for it. I will give you all the glory for it. I won't look back at 2018 and say, look what I accomplished. We'll look back at 2018 as a, as a faith family. We'll look back at 2018 and say, look what God did in Stewart's Creek. Look what God did in my family. Look what God did in my son. Look at how, how God has, has molded my daughter to look more like and love Christ more. We'll look back at him as a testament to his faithfulness and we'll praise him for it. But, he, but, but Saul, and Solomon wants us to remember this, that the Lord is the builder. Now, he, he transitions in three through five and he gets real practical about how that big principle about unless the Lord builds the house, right? Unless the Lord. This principle then infuses everything inside the home. Look what he says in three through five. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, kids, if you're in the room, kids, look at me. Let me get your eyes, okay? This is where you milk this, okay? This is for you, okay? This is ammo in it for, for you to take out on your parents later. All right, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. That means it's a really good thing. You are the fruit of the womb, a reward. So what, what Solomon does here in verse th- 3 is he slaps three labels on you. Okay, three labels on your kids, parents. And you probably thought of a few different ones you wanted to add to that. Uh, but, but he slaps three on them. He says they are a reward. They are a heritage. They are the fruit of the womb. And then he goes on in verse 4, and he says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so Solomon moves from this big principle of unless God is in everything that we do, we labor in vain, to this really kind of ground level implication of this. And what he chooses to flesh that out with inside the home is your kids. He says, listen, he says, your kids are a heritage, they're the fruit of the womb, they're a reward. How's that work together? You see, when we begin to understand that God is this, this builder, he's the one building the Christian home. He's the one that builds the home of godliness. He's the one that is building that home. When we begin to understand that, then the way that we look at our kids needs to begin to change. See, God is now not giving you a wife to just use or to just just make just to serve you but he has given you a wife that you are to cherish that you are to pour into that you are to lead well husbands that you are to love and to and to steward just like your finances because we're going to give an account for it and he also gives us kids as blessings as a heritage as a reward to do what with man to steward to point to 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 pour into to mold to shape See, it begins to change. This, all this works together. It starts at the top. Unless the Lord builds the house, then it begins to, to, to seep into everything within our home, including our kids. See, when we begin to see God as the ultimate builder, it changes the way we see our kids. Our kids are this heritage, this thing for me to look at and to love well and to pour myself out on and to, and to, to lead well. When I don't have it within myself, I plead with God to give me the strength, give me the patience, give me the time. Right, help me to lead them. And if we understand this, then it helps you mamas and daddies with verse 4. He says that they are arrows in the hand of a warrior. Arrows. Now, it doesn't take an archer to know what an arrow is for. Okay? But this is the part I struggle with right now. All right, I look at my daughter, and I know what the implications of an arrow is, right? I know an arrow doesn't, isn't meant to be looked at and hovered on. It's not meant to, for the quiver. That's not the point of an arrow. An arrow is meant to be shot, right? An arrow is meant to be aimed. An arrow is meant to be, to be practiced with and aimed at a target. Now, that means that they have to be released at some point. Now, when I look at my daughter right now, I'm just going to tell you the thing that haunts me. Me and, me and Tiff talked about this this week. The thing that haunts me is the day she's going to come home and say, hey, Dad, I think the Lord's calling me to another country. Great. So he's calling me too. You know, we're going together. That's what I would say to her. Uh, but um, <laughs> but, but all, all jokes aside, I mean, that, that, that literally is haunt, haunting me. Because I, I got to believe the very thing I've been trying to mobilize teenagers for the last decade of my life to do, to go on mission to the ends of the earth, to take the gospel, to be armed, articulate it. I've got to be one to do that with my own kid. And you know, I'm not going to, and you're not going to, if you continue to, to parent in a way where you are trusting in your own ability to do it. Right? You're going to put all this time in, and you're going to release them for what? No, I'm going to sit on them. I'm going to hover on them. I'm going to shackle them in the home. Because I believe, and I think we've bought into this idea that it, when we release them, they're going to somehow be exposed, right, and, and secularized, and they're going to look like the world. But if we don't, if, listen to me, I think this is, this is a really straightforward implication from this passage. If we understand, if we don't understand that, that God is the, the builder, and, and we, we just kind of muzzle our kids and we just kind of keep them and we we want to sit on them and protect them and you know just I'm just going to keep them in this box what begins to happen 
listen, when we don't embrace this passage as he's the builder and let that in, in, infuse into everything that we do, is that what, what really is happening is we are secularizing our kids way before their graduation date. You see, if God's not the builder, then your commitment to the church is not, is not strong. When God's not the builder, there's no consistency in your life of infusing gospel conversations, of saturating your home with Christ. When God's not the builder of your marriage, then you're not, you're not stewarding your marriage in a way that is modeling something for them that they're going to know and desire and, and, and look for one day. When God's not the, the builder of your home, then, then the way that you make your schedule and the things that you prioritize in your home are secularizing your kids way before they're ever shot out. Because here's what happens. When we shoot them and when we make these hard decisions, like, listen, I know Johnny and Betsy and Sally and all those other lame names are, are, are going to do this thing, and you want to go do it as well. Sorry, Sally, Johnny, and Betsy. I didn't mean that. But, uh, you know, it, I know they want to go do it, and you're going to hate me for not letting you do it, but I have, a, I have a responsibility to God to steward you, to point you. And every hard decision we make in Christ's name is what? Setting them on a trajectory. It is adjusting, it is honing, it is straightening that arrow for the day that we release it. You see, arrows weren't meant for the quiver. They're meant to be shot. Be shot out to a nation unaware, to a workplace full of people that are bowing down to gods of, of success and monetary status, to a college campus in rebellion. Arrows are meant to be shot. Look what Elizabeth Elliot, if you don't know who this is, it's Jim Elliot's wife. It was, she, he was a famous missionary who was martyred um, by the very village people that he, in Ecuador that he was going to make missionary contact with. He was, I believe, speared, and his wife stayed for years and, and witnessed to and saw many conversions with the very people that killed her own husband. She later came back to the States, uh, wrote a book called In the Shadow of the Almighty, I believe is what it was called. And uh, yeah, in the, in, in the shadow, shadow of the Almighty. And she wrote this about this psalm. She says, remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were as a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows for but to shoot? So with a strong arm of prayer, with a strong dependency on God, with an acknowledgement of who the builder is, with, with, with an acknowledgement and a dependency and a clinging to the mercy of Christ in your life, in your home, in your family, over your parenting, draw the bowstring back and let the arrows fly, all of them straight at the enemy's host. It's just a strong word from just a godly woman who understood, listen, that Starting with an acknowledgement of who the builder is, it infiltrated everything she believed about her family. It's why she stayed in contact, stayed witnessing to, stayed pursuing these people who did not have the gospel because she knew that the builder of the home was Christ. She knew that the builder of her marriage was Christ. And the same God who knit her and her husband together is the same God who's, who has blessed her with kids. The same God who had given her air to breathe, and, and, a, and a, a gospel to preach, the same God who had ransomed her. And listen, this is, not just, this is not just something that fleshes out in just the home. This is consistent throughout the Scripture. Right? That God is the one who's building. He built your salvation. He accomplished your salvation. And we kick against this continually. But what this psalm wants us to understand is that if we would just embrace God as the builder and stop trying to do this on our own, and cling to and trust in 
and lean on and depend upon this builder. Listen, you'll see blessing in your life. You will see blessing. This is not a, this is not a prosperity gospel. This is not a, a, a plea that you'll see blessing in form of dollar signs. But the blessing that will come to you will be one of, of, a, a, of a shaping and a molding. And you'll look at your reflection in 2018 at the back end of it when we're sitting here talking about a new year. And you'll see yourself in a very different way. Looking more like Christ, less like the world. More like His Son Jesus and the way that you plan and the way that you set goals and the way that you parent and the way that you love your spouse and the way that you manage your finances because what has been given to you has been given to you by the ultimate builder. By God Himself. So who's building your home? Who's building your home in 2018? Who's who is it that you're leaning on when you are at your wit's end with your kids and you don't know what you're going to do? Because I know that I don't have it. I know it's not within me. I need God. I need Him every day for my wife's sake, for my family's sake, for my church's sake, for the students I lead. I need God. Listen, who's building your home? Who are you depending on in this new year? Who is it that's going to, who is it that's going to motivate your goals you set this year? Are we just going to say, hey, I'm going to work hard at this in this new year, and, this, and, and at the back end of this, I'm going to see something incredible, and I'm going to get the glory for it? Or are we going to start saying, God, listen, you're the builder. Unless I lean on you, unless I trust in you, I know that what I do, I labor in vain. Let's begin trusting the Lord and asking him to work a, a mighty way in our lives, and let's cling to his mercy and his grace and his goodness, and let's live at the back end of 2018 and say, God, you were good for what you did. You showed so much favor to our church, so much favor to my marriage, so much favor to my home, and I know you did it. I know you did it. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. God, thank you that you are the builder. God, thank you that you didn't leave it up to us to to work, God. We didn't work for our salvation. We didn't work uh, to merit, God. We didn't have to work to uh, impress, Father. But it's not this, Father, we, we've not been given this, uh, this call to sit and, 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 and just uh, sit idly, Father, but you've called us and equipped us to work hard. You've showed us in your word, Father, what is an honoring marriage. You've showed us in your word, Father, what blessing, the blessing of kids are, Father. They're arrows that we're going to shoot out one day. So God, I pray that we would work tirelessly, tirelessly to love each other more, Father, to, to pour into and lead our families well. But the, before all of that and through all of that, God, I pray that we would anchor ourselves, that we would cling hard to your son Jesus, Father, in his working in and through us. God, help us not to turn our backs on you in this new year, Father, as we set out to do incredible things, Father. I know that we, we may not look different in a mirror, Father, uh, physically, Father, but I pray that spiritually on the back end of this year, because of our clinging, because of our trusting, God, we'll grow in this new year, Father. You'll make us to look more like your son Jesus, and we need you too. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.